Good morning, Cornerstone. Uh, the scripture for today is uh, Judges chapter 2, verse 6 through 10. I'll be reading it from the NIV version. After Joshua has dismissed the Israelites, they went to take possession of the land, each to their own inheritance. The people served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him and who have, been, who have seen all the great things the Lord had done for Israel. Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110, and they buried him in the land of his inheritance at Timnath, here, in the hills of the country of Ephraim, north of Mangash. After the whole generation has been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. This is the word of the Lord. Well, today is a special day, and it's not only because it's the new year, 2023, but we're going to start it off with a bang because um, I'm not going to give the message today. Uh, I'm Actually, the Lord has put on one of our own, Jonathan Wong, a word that he would like to bring to us uh, from the Word of God, which we just read. And so Jonathan is uh, somebody who's actually, it's going to be 10 years, I think, this year that you will be here. It's 10-year anniversary at Cornerstone. So he's been here a decade. That shows you how old he is. And, uh, <laughs> but we greatly love you, Jonathan, and so we're anxious to hear what the word of the Lord has to say for us today. Wow. Okay. Sorry, I've never worn one of these things before, so taking off your mask is uh, quite a challenge. Thanks, George, for reading that passage for us. It's weird being up here, so <laughs> let me just say, uh, I, uh, I have always been on the other side of whatever this, the pulpit, I guess, and uh, you know, New Year's resolutions are something that you know, I've been thinking about for the past couple of days, you probably have been thinking about it too. And what makes a good resolution? Well, we typically want to challenge ourselves and push ourselves, right? So uh, when Jeff asked me to preach a while back, you know, I said no, <laughs> because uh, I get anxious when uh, I do public speaking. And I really don't see myself as, you know, somebody who'd be up here doing this. But, you know, spoiler alert, I changed my mind. So here I am, and my New Year's resolution was to work on my, my fear, uh, especially my anxiety when it comes to, you know, public speaking. And so thank you, Jeff, for the opportunity. And uh, I just want to start off by saying I want to encourage you all that with God anything is possible, because if he can help me be here doing this, then honestly, he can help you do anything uh, that you want to challenge yourself and overcome in the next year. So, thank you, God. So, when I was thinking about what I was going to preach about today, I realized that sermons, they're, they're really just stories about God. And so, that's what I'm going to do today. I'm just going to tell you some stories. The topic of my sermon is, what story are you passing on? Okay, good. All right, so I'm in my 30s now, <laughs> and uh, 
I, I, I was coming here in my 20s. I was 22, 23 years old when I first started coming to Cornerstone. So I've ripened in a decade with all of you, and it's been a pleasure. But uh, now that I'm in my 30s, I, I find that I like to reminisce on the old days. You guys ever do that? You like to talk about the old days? All the time, right? So, so let's do a flashback to the old days. The year is 2005. <laughs> yeah. What happened in 2005? Do you guys remember? Some of you probably weren't even born in 2005. <laughs> um, Hurricane Katrina devastated New Orleans in 2005. George W. Bush started his second term as president in 2005. Pope John Paul II passed away. The popular website, youtube.com, was founded. Some of you may have heard of that one, right? <laughs> Do you remember what you were doing in 2005? That was 18 years ago. 18 years ago. I remember where I was in 2005. I was 15 years old, and what I remember about 2005 was that everyone was talking about this TV show called Lost. <laughs> Who here has watched Lost? Okay. Not as many as I thought. <laughs> this shows there's a lot of young people here. Well, who has heard of Lost? Okay, most of you have heard of it. So for those of you who haven't heard about this show, it's about a flight, uh, an airplane that crash lands on an island in the middle of nowhere. And the survivors of this crash, are, they're just trying to get off of this island. Right? So if you ever watched Castaway or read the book, um, uh, Robinson Crusoe, it's kind of like that. And, and I love stories like that because it talks about the ingenuity and the perseverance uh, to survive. So I, I, I promise everything I'm about to say about this show isn't spoilers because, like I said, it's been around for 18 years. So if you haven't heard some of these things, then you know, that, that's your fault. <laughs> you, can, you can watch it later. But um, they find out that this island is not everything as it seems. Right? So that's the main character of the show, uh, Jack. And the, they're actually not even alone on this island, so, so that's the creepy part. They find out that there's other people on this island. The most mind-blowing moment about this show in 2005 is when they discover something on this island very strange. They discover, what is it? The hatch. <laughs> All right? So this hatch was all anyone talked about in 2005, because imagine you're just walking through the jungle that you thought no one else had ever been on, and you find this hatch in the ground, right? And, and they can't open it. So it's basically the whole first and second season about getting into this hatch and figuring out what is inside this hatch. And it was like a meme before memes ever existed, because I would be like with my aunts and uncles, I'd be at church, I'd be with my friends, and everybody would be talking about what, you know, what's in this hatch and all these crazy theories. It was pretty exciting for a 15-year-old to be alive. <laughs> and the reason why people enjoyed the show Lost was because the writers of this show, they perfected the art of storytelling. The ways that the shows were produced was Lost did flashbacks to the past of these characters, then they bring you back to the present, and then they flash forward to the future, and they'd even do like flash sideways, which that that's kind of gets a little bit weird. But the, the reason why they do this is because only by going through the entirety of a person's experiences can you get the full perspective of what they've been through and what makes them who they are. 
and actually how they're all connected. That's the cool part about the show, is because you find out that all the people on this plane, they were actually connected um, before they even got on that plane. A lot of other shows started copying the technique of Lost, and a lot of the shows and movies that you watch today are actually because of Lost. So I encourage you to watch the, at least the first couple seasons, because at the end it gets kind of weird, to be honest. <laughs> you know, people had to know what was inside this hatch, and that's the power of a good story, right? Because you not only want to know what happens next in the story, but you also want to know what it means. Like, why? What's the purpose of this? What is the meaning? A good story is so powerful that it transcends generations. So much so that I'm still talking about loss 18 years later, right? <laughs> so, can you guys hear me? All right. All right, so yeah, so that was the crazy part, is that me and Monica's families were connected like way before I was even a thought. Um, and it was because of Monica's family that my family came to Christ. Pretty amazing. Many years later, my, grandpa, my grandma eventually accepted Christ. And when she became a Christian, she went all in. My grandma was, <laughs> she was like the, that, uh, that auntie in church. She was always praising God, always talking about God, and worshiping God any chance that she would find. And the notorious part about my grandma is uh, her prayer time, because she always prayed for a long, long time. And her favorite time to pray was before meals and before she blew out her birthday candles. You know, you, you ever been at church or, you know, some fellowship thing and somebody's praying for a really long time and then you kind of like start to like peek and open your eyes to like see from their body like up soon? And you start like looking around to see like, yeah, you, you guys see what I'm seeing? Like, how long are we going to be standing here? That's how it was every single time I was with my grandma because uh, she had eight grandchildren, including me, and she would pray for every single one of us and say like a special blessing um, and ask for God's help. And it took a long time. Uh, you know, the, the food would get cold, the birthday candle wax would be dripping onto the cake, and we'd be like, Grandma, you know, when are you going to wrap this up? <laughs> but that's like what I remember about my grandma. Um, it was more important for her to seek the Lord's blessing and to thank God. Um, and, and the thing that really touches me is it was always for us. She always wanted to set the example that we should be thanking the Lord. Psalm 71, 18 says, Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. You know, when I read this verse, I immediately think about my grandma because she appreciated God so much that she wanted her grandchildren to know and appreciate God the same way. Unfortunately, as a young person, I didn't really care for these things. <laughs> I just wanted to eat and have the cake, and honestly, I found it kind of annoying at times. And if you knew me when I was a kid, all that I could be bothered with was, first of all, memorizing and catching all 150 Pokemon back then. And yeah, that was when there was only 150 of them. But uh, my friend John just gave me the new Pokemon, it was a Scarlet version, so I have some work to do. <laughs> Um, I, I, all I cared about was playing StarCraft. <laughs> you play StarCraft, George? All right. <laughs> and, uh, of course, finding out what was in the hatch and lost. That's all I cared about. But, you know, now that I'm older, I, I appreciate what my grandma was trying to do. Because what my grandma was trying to do is what the Israelites failed to do. 
as George read in our passage. <clears throat> so the book of Judges, I'm just going to tell some stories from the Bible now. Uh, it takes place after the book of Joshua. And so I want to go to the end of the book of Joshua first, where Joshua, the, oh, that's a lot of text. <laughs> I'll read it out loud. Joshua, the leader of the nation of Israel, he, he's actually about to die. And he's uh, uh, wrapping up his life and trying to encourage the Israelites uh, what to do after he passes away. So he reminds them of the stories of their past. Stories of Isaac, Abraham, and Jacob, and how God called them to start the nation of Israel. He talks about Moses and how God brought them uh, with Moses out of the land of Egypt, out of captivity. He talks about how God gave them victory over battle over enemies, including at the famous battle of Jericho. Then, at the end, he pleads with the Israelites to make a choice. To make a choice to turn to God and away from their wickedness. So I'm just going to read this out loud, and you can follow along if you can somehow read that. <laughs> and so Joshua says, Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods of your ancestors, the, way your, the gods your ancestors worship beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord is undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in the land you are living. Basically, these uh, false idols. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. There it is. There's that famous Bible verse that I know a lot of you guys have hanging up in your house. <laughs> so what, what, did the, what did the Israelites say in response to Joshua? The, the people answered, far be it from us to forsake the Lord to serve other gods. It was the Lord our God himself who brought us out it brought us and our parents out of Egypt from the land of slavery and performed those great signs before our eyes. He protected us on our entire journey and among all the nations through which we traveled. And the Lord drove out before us all the nations, including the Amorites who lived in the land. We too will serve the Lord because he is our God. All right, so that's what they said, right? That sounds great. Well, let's see how that turns out. <laughs> So this is the passage that George just read, and uh, I'm just going to recap one more time. So after Joshua had dismissed the Israelites, they went to take possession of the land, each to their own inheritance. So basically, they've been waiting to get into this promised land for many, many decades. And so they're finally there, right? And so they get to settle down, and the people served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him and who had seen all the great things the Lord had done for Israel. All right, so great. They did what they said they were going to do, right? Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110, and they buried him in the land of his inheritance at Timnath Ares in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gaish. After that, the whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors. So basically, they died. They passed away. Another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. All right, so, so that last verse really uh, confuses me <laughs> at first, because like, what happened here? You know, we read together, right, that the people of Israel, they were so adamant that they would follow after God, they would do what Joshua had asked them to do, but then just over the course of a few verses, really, you read that the whole generation after these people grew up, they did not even know who God was or what he had done for their parents and for them. How does that happen? 
you know, because a lot of the stories of the things that the Israelites went through, they're even better than the TV show Lost, <laughs> to be honest. And if you want to know more, you should really read um, the Bible because there's some incredible stories. And all that I can think of was that either the older generation failed to impart these stories to the younger generation, or the younger generation, they just didn't care to listen or care to know, right? Kind of like how I didn't really care to know what my grandma was trying to tell me back then. And honestly, it was probably a combination of both, right? So, you know, if you continue reading on past this passage, a lot of bad things happen to Israel. Um, and the book of Judges is just about a spiral of really bad leadership and a lot of suffering for them because they grew up not knowing who God was or what he had done. So Cornerstone, how, how do we prevent this from happening to us? In order to raise a generation that God knows, or that knows God and knows what he has done, we must be people who perpetuate the story of God. Another verse from Psalms. I will perpetuate your memory through all generations. Therefore, the nations will praise you forever and ever. Forever and ever is a long time. Right? It's not just one generation. So how do we do this? Like, first, let, let's talk about us. Right? It starts with us. Let's examine our own lives. You know, I've had the pleasure of getting to know a lot of the older generation in Cornerstone. And at first, when, like 10 years ago, when I first started coming here, I would really only hang out with the younger people because that's who I could relate to. Um, and even with the younger people, I was really awkward because I don't, you know, really, I'm not a very extroverted person, if you really know me. So, you know, if you ever grew up in a Chinese church, there's always like a lot of uh, separation, right? There's the older folks, typically in the Chinese congregation, then, you know, their kids is what becomes the English congregation, <laughs> right? And I've always been in the English congregation because you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a child of, of an immigrant family. And so whenever you know, I'd go to church, I would always like, say, hi, like, hi, auntie so-and-so, or hello, hello. But like, I don't know what to say beyond that. because, Well, first of all, I don't really speak Chinese, so that made it more difficult. Um, but I just wouldn't know what to say or how to connect. Right? Um, as I started to get older, I really wanted to challenge myself to get to know the people who are older than me, because what I found was that they actually had a lot of perspective and wisdom to share, uh, kind of like my grandma, and only if I cared to listen and seek it out did I discover this to be true. Okay? Another thing that I, I learned about when I uh, got to know the older people was that you know, older people struggle just as much as younger people do. I always thought, like, oh, they have it all figured out. They got it all together, and that's why, you know, you and I can't connect. But, you know, they've been running this race longer, and they've seen more things. And uh, I've, I've experienced a lot of bitterness and regret when I talk to some of the older generation. And, and honestly, this could be something that really prevents the older generation from passing on those good stories that we need to hear, because when you... As you grow older and you get more jaded, to be honest, it's harder to remember all the wonderful things that God has done because all you feel and remember is your pain. And so, you know, the, I want to just say to the older people in Cornerstone, you know, remember what God has done in your life because the younger generation, we need to hear it. We need to remember as well. Forgive and let go of the past. And to the younger people, which is a lot of people in this room, I think we struggle with things like identity, 
finding acceptance, finding your purpose. I, I struggle with this too. And what I'd encourage you as we all grow older too is to be a diligent learner. Seek out God's wisdom. Seek out these stories because these are the things that will prepare you for this life and for the things that are to come for us. Otherwise, we'll just be like that generation in that verse we just read that we will not remember who God is and what he has done. And our kids, they're going to be even worse off. It's important. So just like the Israelites, I was easily distracted as a young person. <laughs> my dreams, my desires, my fears, my insecurities, they ruled my headspace. And thankfully for me, God sent people into my life to speak the truth and wisdom into my life. So my wife said uh, I should try to create some bullet points, otherwise people are not going to remember anything. So here's my three-point sermon, all right? <laughs> so I just talked about we gotta first we gotta examine ourselves, right, and, and remember what God has done. But after we do that, we gotta remember to share, listen, and remember these stories, right? Because if we don't do that and we just keep it to ourselves, then what's the point? Um, and thankfully, God has brought a lot of people into my life to do that for me. You guys, Cornerstone, right? Well, and I was searching for a church ten years ago, and I came here. You guys welcomed me like so warmly and I found a home here. I've been here for a decade, and, and I know you guys better than I know a lot of people, right? And all of your stories have become my stories, and for the people who are close to me, you know what I mean, right? We've been through a lot together. And, you know, he also sent me my wife, Monica. You know, my wife has been such a helper to me over these years, because not only has she pointed me in the right direction, she's always reminded me of what God has done, because like a lot of people, all I can focus on is my pain sometimes, and I, it's hard for me to see through that, right? And of course, Monica's family, if you guys are watching, <laughs> thank you, Aunt Joni, and for all of you for welcoming me into the family. Um, another big influence in my life, you know, is my, my friend and mentor, Steve. He really took me in and discipled me when I was lost, and uh, if it wasn't for, you know, people like Steve who just showed me God's truth, I would be just like those Israelites, not really caring about anything else but what I want to do. And so, if you think about your own life, right, there are a lot of people in your own life, too, who have been sent by God to share their stories with you and to bring you to the point where you are today. And I encourage you to reflect on that. <clears throat> your story it can either be a tale of God's blessing and what he's done in your life, or it could be the opposite. It could be about the absence and need for God, like the book of Judges. But, you know, the good news is that your story can be a good one when we realize what God has passed on to us. So let's also just make sure that as we look to the new year, let's make decisions that will lead to good stories. Right? Because we want to also be making more stories that point people to God. And let me be clear, I don't mean having a picture-perfect, like, Insta-worthy life. That's not what I'm talking about, right? I think a lot of the younger people here, when you think about your life story, you think about what's on social media, what people see when you make posts, you know, people see that you're happy and, and thriving and stuff like that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about stories about your life being transformed and changed. Stories about forgiveness, Stories about reconciliation, 
stories about deliverance, stories about overcoming your struggles. These are the things that happen when we follow Christ. Only when we follow Christ. The world needs to hear these stories, Cornerstone, because the only stories the world hears nowadays, it's, it's really just tragic, and it's really just discouraging. And you know what I mean when I say that. People don't hear about miracles anymore. So that's my three-point sermon. <laughs> so I'm going to talk about one more story. You know how people say when you grow up, you end up just like your parents? And uh, as I've grown, I've learned that this is quite true. I'm a lot like my dad. Um, my dad, he, he likes coffee. He only drinks coffee black, and that's the only way that I drink my coffee. My dad likes Star Trek so much that I'm actually named after Star Trek captain, uh, Jean-Luc Picard. Uh, I like Star Trek too. My dad likes to cook. I like to cook. People say that my mannerisms are like my dad. My, my dad is actually preaching today. Uh, that's why he's not here. But I try to like, imagine like, my dad's posture right now, and it's probably like, exactly like what you guys are seeing right now, to be honest. Um, like, when I read my phone and like, like, look at something, like, I, I read it like this, and everyone's like, oh, you look just like your dad <laughs> when you do that. I'm like, it's, it's scary. It's scary, I'm telling you. Uh, people say that, like, my resting face, I always, like, look upset, <laughs> like my dad. <laughs> and, um, you know, my, my dad, like I said, he's a preacher, and um, he's also one of the inspirations for why I'm doing this today. So, you know, when I got older, I really wanted to do a better job of understanding my dad. And uh, when we're kids, right, all we want is for our parents to understand us. Right? Every argument, every conflict, we're just like, oh, mom, dad, you just don't understand. You just don't get it. Like, you guys feel that way, right? I felt that way all the time. But young people, I encourage you to put more, more effort into understanding your parents. Because I'll tell you what, when you do that, you'll actually find you're well on your way to understanding yourself. So on my quest to figure out why I'm so much like my dad, <laughs> I realized that I'm like my dad is like his dad. <laughs> my grandfather, Shu Tong Wong, who you see here. Um, my, my grandfather passed away a few years ago. Some of you were at his funeral. And uh, he has probably had one of the most impactful influences on my life. So let's turn back time one more time today. And let's go back to the year 1940. <laughs> A little, little older than 20, uh, 2005. My grandfather, he was living in China. And my grandpa told me the story about how Japan, they, they invaded China. Right? And they committed some terrible things against our family and against our people, to be honest. Um, you know, his parents, along with most of my relatives at the time, they were actually killed uh, during the Japanese invasion. And so my grandpa was like one of the last survivors of our uh, uh, village, I guess. And he actually had to flee and run on foot to the neighboring village. You know, when you talk to your grandparents, there's always some story about how they had to like run like a really far distance and like to just make it to survival. And this is my grandpa's story. And my grandpa, he not only was able to escape, but thankfully to some Catholic missionaries, uh, he found refuge and safety there. And that's where he actually heard uh, about God for the first time. And then the next couple decades, he was just struggling to survive and make it. Uh, he eventually made his way to Hong Kong, where he 
lived in the streets as an orphan with nobody to help him until he met this woman who he called Guma. And Guma, it just means auntie in Chinese. So Guma, she, uh, she owned a hotel in Hong Kong. And that was really unusual at the time for a woman to own like, a business like that. But Guma, she was, like, she was a big deal uh, in, in Hong Kong back then. And she gave my grandpa a job as a bellhop in the hotel. Uh, and my grandpa worked so hard for Guma because he was so thankful. He eventually made it all the way to you know, the top of the company. And he always talked about Guma, because even though I never got to meet her, he, Grandpa wanted me to remember who she was. He would not let me grow up not knowing who Guma was because of what she had done for our family. Guma was also a Christian, interestingly enough, and she was a person in his life who talked to him about God. She actually uh, gave him this statue, or it's not a statue, it was a painting of Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. And my grandpa, by the way, my grandpa wasn't a Christian at the time. Uh, he hung up this picture of Jesus in his home, and then next to the picture of Jesus, he had his Buddhist altar. <laughs> it was like really uh, strange. It was, he was like a very progressive type of guy, I guess. He was one of those people who liked to take bits and pieces from the religions that he liked and make his own religion that he was like the head of, basically. My grandpa pretty much believed in himself. So yeah, like going, like going after, after church, my, my mom and dad, they take us to Brooklyn to visit my grandpa, and then I'd see like the altar of Buddha and then the statue of Jesus right next to it. It, it, was, it was weird. It was weird, to be honest, for me. But I always wondered where he got this picture from and why it was so important to him if he wasn't a Christian. And it was because of Guma. So, you know, Guma, thank you. It wasn't until, <laughs> it wasn't until much later that my grandpa came to Christ because he was like the most stubborn person that I had ever met. Uh, and I think a lot of my, my cousins, if you guys are watching this, you would agree that my grandpa's stubbornness, it runs in the family. It's in our blood. It's in me, too. And grandpa, he refused to go to church. He refused to have anything to do with Christianity. Me and my family, we'd be praying for him every single day for many, many decades that grandpa would come to Christ. And it just became like a type of thing where we kind of accepted, like, you know, grandpa, he's made his choice. Like, he's not going to do it. But then he got cancer. Right? And, and cancer changes things because when you're dying, your perspective changes on life. And eventually, with the help of my wife, Monica, and my friend, Anthony, who actually I met here at Cornerstone, um, I was able to uh, share the gospel with Pa, and we went to him. And I asked him to come to church with me the next day, and he did, and he accepted Christ that day. You know, I'll never forget the moment my grandpa accepted Christ because um, he was crying, and he was just telling me that Jesus has been waiting for me a very long time. So I can't help but reflect on all of this stuff that I shared with you guys, these stories, because the plans that were at work over generations to get my grandpa to where he was to accept Christ that day is truly incredible, where in the, in the past he refused to accept Christ, but he could no longer deny it. And it started with the Japanese invading China, with my grandpa taking refuge with those missionaries, you know, Guma giving him a second chance at life, surviving and making in this strange country where I had the opportunity to be here and go to church and be a Christian, um, and then eventually coming here to Cornerstone where I met my friend Anthony, who helped me to read the story of the prodigal son to my grandpa, and that's what changed his mind.
you know? If any one of these things in this story changed, things might have been very different, right? But it's all because of God's plan that it worked out this way. Over 1940 was like, like 80 years ago, you know? Crazy. Brothers and sisters, this is just, oh, sorry, this is just my story. When I think about both of my grandparents, if, you know, only, like I said, one thing was different, if we never met, think about how different our life would be today. These stories, they're, they're amazing, they're important. And I encourage you to think about the stories of your own life because they're also important. And it's actually how we're all connected, whether we even know it or not today. So I'm going to end with this. Maybe you're listening to this or you're watching this on the internet and uh, you're feeling like, honestly, when you think about your life, you don't have a story that's worth sharing. Right? When you think about your life, all you can see is struggle, you know, pain. You're just trying to make it <laughs> through the day. Um, you're feeling lost, wondering if there's more to life than this, what you've seen so far. I've been there, and I felt that for much of my life, especially when I was a young person. And the good news is that things can change, brothers and sisters. It doesn't have to be that way. You know, no matter what happened in the past, the story doesn't have to just end there. It doesn't have to end with whatever it is you're going through right now. You know, my grandpa had been through so much, you know, he could have thought his story ended right there when his parents were slaughtered right in front of him or when he was homeless, you know. But it came full circle, and he brought us to this country so that eventually he could hear the gospel and come to God, you know. It's the same for every single one of us. I'd like to remind you that, you know, Jesus loves you, and he's calling you to turn your story into something amazing that will inspire people and point, him, point them to him. But the choice is yours. You only have to accept and follow him. Or you can be like the Israelites who chased after other things. Don't be like my grandpa and keep God waiting for 80 years. Okay? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for allowing us to be part of your story. Because when we look at the stories in the Bible and even the stories in our life, it's just truly amazing how you've been watching over us before we were even born. And you've been planning and calling to us over many generations and many decades to follow after you and to serve you and to love you. Because when we do those things, the story of our lives is truly amazing and it saves. And so Lord, I pray for Cornerstone as we look into 2023 that we examine ourselves and examine our lives and the stories that have been passed on to us through you. And we share those things, not only with each other, but with the people that you put into our lives so that they might know that you are God. And that you give us more opportunities this year to create new stories and to make the choices and the decisions that would make those stories complete.
Thank you, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.